0: Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of the Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators. It's me, your host, Cole Carpenter, and today we're here to talk about a company's greatest asset, its people. Specifically, uh, we will dive into the role of human capital in a private equity-backed or fast-growth company, and there are few better people to talk about this with than Jen Sudith of Sudith Search, an executive-retained search firm in Houston, Texas. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and give us some of your insight on this uh pressing topic of uh of labor and uh you know finding executives in, in these uh, awesome new innovative spaces as well as you know anything in private equity and uh fast growth companies so Jen thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you Cole, for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um I guess just to start things off, we'd love to you know get an intro of you um And your your company, and uh, just kind of like some rundown on your career and how you got to where you are today in in the space.
1: Absolutely. Um, So I personally have been recruiting for for about twenty years. Uh, Most of those are in retained executive search recruiting for leadership positions for private equity and venture back companies, just like I do now. So it reflects very much um, same thing that I've been doing for a long time. We also work for individually owned companies and family run companies and so forth. Um, but I started my practice in 2019, um, almost four years ago, and uh, I, I joke that I did it because I could. Um, I had a, a nice, solid client base and felt like it was a good time for me to branch out personally and um, and also with, with what I was doing. So I did. Uh, COVID hit about a year later, um, but we continued to do very well even through COVID because I already had a lot of those relationships. And then... We've continued to grow there from there so we're about um we're about six we're seven people now excuse me we just hired someone last week so we're seven people now uh impressive. and probably going to stay there for a little while until we figure out what this economy is going to do but uh we kind of have been growing um very purposefully i guess you could say yeah fun fact uh, my personal background i come from five generations of methodist ministers I'm let oh, wow. that sink in. Five generations.
0: <laughs> so wow. if you could say,
1: you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a outsider in my family, kind of because I went the business route. But I think it's there's a lot of overlap. Uh, you know, I got a psychology degree from, from TCU, which you went to, go frogs, go, and go, frogs. <laughs> and uh, and so I think there is there's some overlap with with what my family did. Quite frankly, understanding people. You know having the insight into people and what makes them tick um, and so forth so um, it's it's been a fun ride i really enjoy what i do
0: wow yeah that's that's very interesting thank you for that i had i had no idea that's actually very very interesting
1: We um, <laughs> could have a whole other really... session on that
0: <laughs> that, there, that is for sure <laughs> So Jen, like what, what kind of clients do you work with? Is there a specific industry you focus on? Or are you just anything and everything really anyone that comes to you?
1: We so we reflect Houston, I will say that. So a lot of our clients are industrial type clients. So energy, of course, is is uh, one of the main ones. But we've, we've been moving into energy transition over the last few years. Um, we also do a lot of technology software companies. Um, we've even done retail we have a few retail positions right now leadership positions within retail and then um, hospitality I and mean, it's kind of run the gamut we you know there we also reflect private equity which I mentioned earlier a lot of our clients we're brought in probably 75 percent of the time by private equity firms and so if you look at Houston private equity what are they investing in that's kind of where we play um, and so a lot of it, like I said, it, it is in the energy and industrial and chemicals and pipeline um, and then now energy transition, which is, which is super fun um, to see that, to see that evolution happening as well um, within, a, within a city that you know has been doing energy for a very long time. So now it's time for us to dominate on that energy transition side. But again, that's a whole nother topic as well. <laughs> Yes, I'm um, glad I, it is. The common, I would say the one last thing that I, I, I would say is the common denominator with all of our clients, and I know this is an overused word, but it's transformation, oh. um, you know, it's in that, but that is absolutely the truth. All of our clients are transforming. It could be growth, which is probably the number one. Um, it could be a culture change. It could be, they want to expand outside of the industry that they're in. They want to target other industries. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're wanting to get from point A to point B to point C very quickly. They want to change very quickly, whatever it is. And so we bring in change makers. We we specialize in folks that can handle the minutiae of what that looks like um, for for private equity run companies.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's on that note, let's get into the thick of things. I mean, like what type of, of talent are your clients looking for? Like what uh What type of characteristics kind of fill that that void or that need um, for for your clients?
1: So I'll keep my answer on um, the leadership roles. Um, So if you're private equity backed, you've got a clock. That's the biggest difference with, I think, a corporation and a private equity backed company is that you've got a clock. You've got to you've got to accomplish those goals quickly. Um, And so the pace is is very fast. Um, and you've got to have people that can really um, survive. I wouldn't say survive, but thrive in that pace. They like that messiness. They like that trying to figure it out. What's the strategy? Where are we going? And then they're very action oriented. I mean, the CEOs that I work for that hire hire us, and it, it's hard to keep up, quite frankly. You're on a call, or you're on a on a Zoom, or whatever, and they they move a mile a minute. Their brain goes a mile a minute, and so a lot of times um, you've got to, you've got to match that pace. And so candidates that want to work in that industry or that do work in that industry do match that pace so they're fast paced they're um they're fast thinkers and um they're action oriented
0: yeah So, would you say has have you seen that like has that kind of demand or need changed over time or has it been the same characteristics since you've kind of been in the space
1: i would say Um, it's changed i think private equity has changed um and and i'm going to go out on a limb here and say Private equity is kinder <laughs> than I think they used to be, um, and I don't mean to say they weren't kind, but I think they, the, the, um, the private equity industry is really starting to understand, or not starting, they have the people factor, the human factor. And so they're paying attention to culture, they're paying attention to change management. Now that's not true across the board. I'm, not, I'm sure lots of people would roll their eyes at that and say, sure. But the, a lot of the companies, the firms that I'm working with, they are, um, and they're bringing in HR folks, and they're bringing in people that can help um, create an environment where people want to work because they're competing with the corporations. They're competing with, you know, there's so much private equity money out there. There's a lot of companies that are doing what they're doing. So they've got to have an edge. They've got to create a culture and a, a company where people want to work. And so um, I do think that has changed. I think the characteristics of the leaders that work in those has not changed. Okay, um, interesting. And let me give you kind of the leader. So leaders and mid-level management, I think, are, are very different. Um, not very different. There, there's a lot of the similar characteristics. But when I'm looking for a C-level executive, chief revenue, chief sales, chief Finance, you know, CFO, COO, those types of roles. Um, those folks have consistent characteristics. Okay. So the main one that I would say is they are self aware. They understand their motivations. They understand their own strengths. They understand their own weaknesses. Um, and they know, and that's how, in my opinion, that's how they've thrived and that's how they've grown is because they're healthy, they're happy, mentally healthy, and they protect their time to be that way, quite frankly. I, I, I dare you to find a C-level executive that's not some sort of athlete because most of them aren't, or they have a serious hobby because they, they, you cannot just live in that world a hundred percent of the time forever. <laughs> a lot of times you do it for a while, but you can't do it forever. So they're all very mentally, in my opinion, physically health, healthy. Um, they're doers, which I talked about earlier, action oriented. The other thing I would say, and I saw this when I went, uh, I, I stepped out of, recruiting for about four or five years uh, when my son was a, was born and worked as a director of talent for a management consulting firm very intelligent people that work there um, they're they're consulting with some of the biggest fortune 50 companies um, in the city and so I saw this there I think I learned this there and and it's also true for the c level executives is that they are very unique thinkers they can step outside of a situation and come up with a way to approach something, um, be innovative that no one else has thought of, or maybe they did, but no one else said it. <laughs> and they're they're very brave. They're not afraid to disagree. They're not great, afraid to challenge the status quo, which can be frustrating at times. At times, if you're if you're reporting to that person, um, but they're always leading the pack with that with that thought power. Um, and then I think the very last one would be organization. I know that sounds very simple, um, but like I mentioned earlier, they protect their time. They're very organized and very efficient. They, they are focused on what they need to be focused on and not getting caught up in the minutia. And I look for that when I'm talking, when I'm talking to them. If their communication is organized, um, you know, if they can, they can give me an organized overview of their career and their experience and what they're looking for. That's a really good sign for me.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you uh, kind of see that or how do you uh, get a feel for that when you, um, is this mainly in conversation or just everything you look at as, as a whole, everything that's presented, whether that's a, a CV or anything, what, what does that look like? If you? I
1: told you that call, I'd have to kill you and I don't wanna to have to kill you because that's <laughs> the secret sauce of what we do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fair enough. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's, it's 22 years of doing this, quite frankly, but there's behavioral-based interview strategies and, and so forth to really get, you're not trying to trick anyone. You're trying to get to the core of who they are. You're trying to get to what motivates them so that I can match that motivation with what's going to help this company grow and so or, or support that growth. So let's call it a CFO. A lot of times they're supporting that growth. So I'm, I'm trying to really get to the meat of who they are to be able to make that match.
0: Right. And that's very interesting. Have you ever had like where you were going into you see this position and you have like this, these characteristics in mind for someone and then you meet a candidate who kind of like flips that upside down? And you're like, maybe they're a better fit for what you originally had in mind? Is that something that you experience, Or it's typically just kind of what you envision? It kind of plays out to be that way? Is have you had that? experience? You should
1: or? be in recruiting call because you're exactly right. You know, you start a search and I try to, I try to tell my clients this, especially first time clients. It's like, you have give me what you want this person to accomplish you can give me the requirements and they've got to know industries and they've got to know software and so forth but i guarantee you that by the time we finish the search it may not look exactly like what we started because you meet people you know they they start talking to candidates i start talking to candidates we're like oh that would be perfect for this oh what if we could find someone with international experience what if we could find someone that has this type, you know, and we start morphing and adding that, and it evolves so that by the time we're done, it, it often looks very different than when we started, for a good reason, yeah. you know.
0: That's very interesting. And while we're on top on the topic of that process, could you just give us like an entry level breakdown of what that looks like, as far as like the client coming to you saying, "Hey, we need to fill this position," to you finding someone that fits the position? Like, yeah. what, what does that look? Like? Yeah,
1: I yes. mean and it's it's a fairly standard process. I will give you kind of the differentiators of what of what I think we do, but um, you know when we go and meet with our clients, we want to talk about what I just said. what are you trying to achieve? what does this person need to achieve? I mean not what what you're trying to achieve, but what is this position? let's call it a chief revenue officer you know we want them to grow we want them to mark them mark map the market we want them to figure out which industries we should go into we want them to manage the sales team and create a you know, sales team where people want to thrive and want to, to sell, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. And then the same client that I'm thinking of, you know, they're 5 million. They want to get to 103 years. I'll we'll let that sink in for a second. Um, so what companies, what SaaS software as a service companies have done that? Um, and so we start with the target companies. So we look at the bigger picture of, what companies have done that? What companies have scaled that quickly, that are SaaS based? And then from that list, we go and say, who are the people within those companies that helped make that happen? And so um, then we go from that list, um, we start making those most, those calls. And I think the difference with us is that everyone on our team is, um, you know, fairly sophisticated voice coming through to that person. It we are not doing these random cold calls with people we don't know if they're a fit. We pretty much, I mean, I'm not going to tell you we hit it every time, but I would say 60-70% of the time we know they're a fit. We just want to see if they're interested and we want to see if if we can get them interested. And so we have that phone call and then they go to me and I do the behavioral based interview that we talked about earlier. Um and then we shortlist. You know, we may talk to so You may not know this, but when we do a search, some of our searches have 300 people on the list. We're not going to talk to every one of them, but we may have 300. When we whittle that down, you know, we whittle it down to we talk to maybe 70. And then from that list, I may do 10 to 20 interviews. And then from that, I give them the top three to five. So the time, I mean, we're doing probably... 5x to 10x, what they can do for themselves because of time, their time, you know, let, let we're doing the heavy lifting for folks that should be running a company, basically.
0: Right. So when you give them those three to five, you know, finalists, so to say, is that something that they, like your client will t- take care of the rest? Like they'll start doing the internal interviews or is that, or is there more for, work for you to be, to do?
1: Thank you for asking that. You should, I still yeah. say you should be a recruiter. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Because the hard part nowadays with the great resignation, or I'm doing air quotes, um, is, is getting people to the finish line. Um, they're nervous about the economy. They, you know, do I want to stay put? They may, and it's a little bit like dating, quite frankly, where they like being chased. They like being recruited. Um, and then when it comes to the nuts and bolts of it, they're like, "Ooh, that's scary. I don't know that I want to do that. So you have to, our job is to get them through that. Process, that change process, and get them comfortable and thinking realistically, this could happen. So, you know, is this something you want to do? Is this going to be a fit for you? So, our job is to get them across the finish line. And we work with our clients very, very closely all the way to offer acceptance. And like I said, nowadays, that can kind of be the hardest part because of everything going on in the world.
0: Right. Uh, for sure while we're on that topic you know the great resignation and the unprecedented labor market i just got a notification this morning from wall street journal that things may be seem to be cooling off but who's to say but um yeah what like have you experienced something like this what we're experiencing now um and if so is it different than times in the past
1: so i mean we've all we've had downturns I, i very clearly remember the downturns and we basically you just Act, be as scrappy as possible and you take searches you probably wouldn't have taken at peace you wouldn't take them out but you do what you need to do but with this great I, I would almost say the the great resignation and COVID and all of that it has completely shifted everyone's mindset about work and fulfillment and going to work and driving to work like nothing I've seen in 22 years honestly it's it's uh, it's good, I think, in a lot of ways. I think some companies would argue with me to say that it's reduced productivity or whatever you want to say. But I think it's good for people to stop and think, is this is this fulfilling me? Is this what I want to do with my life? And, um, you know, do I, or do I want to stay where I am? You know, that sort of thing. So I think it's a good thing. But um, corporations tend to... So my world the reason we continue to do so well during covid private equity they don't you know when there's a downturn or, or a risky economy corporations are the ones that react first both up and down especially public corporations hiring freezes role consolidation etc or they might even leave roles empty but investors private equity investors they look for down economy. they look at, at down economies as opportunities and so they're all they, they have to survive that downturn but they've got capital for the long game and they don't have a bunch of invest a bunch of uh, they do have investors but not a bunch of stockholders looking at them and looking at their 1% change they're not you know they don't have that kind of pressure so it's a little bit different they tend to invest during the downturn so that's what happens with us as well
0: yeah for sure yeah it makes sense you know and, and there's times of downturn it's, it's time to build and, and get ready for for that upturn exactly
1: so. exactly
0: it's really interesting. Um, and you talked a little bit about it, you just kind of touched on it. Um, but is there like, what, what is unique about working with private equity and as working with private equity changed, uh, you touched that saying that not, not as much, but, um, what, what, does that experience look like working with private equity?
1: Um, I would, I keep going back to the clock <laughs> and by clock, um, you know, the pace, the timing, um getting it done um i and and i think that is the biggest thing is you've got to be able to and you know we don't necessarily have to have to uh we don't pace we don't let me rephrase that we don't speed up our searches and reduce our quality we don't do that they're not pressuring us necessarily to get our searches done faster but everything is faster uh, as far as the the interview process, the offer process, they just do things very quickly. But um, and then back to my earlier statement, I do think private equity is paying attention to human capital. A lot of them are. the can. Um, and I think that's a big factor and help, <laughs> helpful factor for firms like us, um, because they're not they're not just trying to get, get them in, get them out and, and you know, call it done. They, they really are trying to find that right fit. So a little bit right. different.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that transition. Yeah, we talked about that—that kind of transition from. I think that's the main differentiator these days. Is you know everybody can have a company, but I think what makes a company different is its culture, and Mm -hmm. I think that's what attracts people to it. You know, everyone has you know revenue and uh, raises and things of like like of that nature, but I think what really is is impactful and what gets not only consumers but everyone kind of focused on a company is that culture. So I think that's really interesting. That that's kind of been a. A theme throughout this conversation um, especially related to private equity mm-hmm. um, yeah,
1: for sure
0: yeah i, I kind of want to get a little general and just um kind of t- take a step back and you know just talk about general stuff about retained executive search and kind of the differences between um contingency recruitment agencies and like an internal talent acquisition uh, department like i know you've you've worked and uh, in, internally i um i believe as a uh, director of talent for a bit right mm-hmm. so have you? Is there? Are there major differences between the three, or what are the pros and cons? I would say to, to those, and um, why would why would someone go with executive retain search over another?
1: So that is a good question. I um, and I would say there is a place for contingency. I think it's very effective in for some positions. Quite frankly, um, I think the difference is for the leadership position. Like I mentioned earlier, you want to find. The, the best quality you don't want you're not necessarily hoping to find this who who can you find who, what is the best person you can find in a short amount of time um i don't think anybody would want that they want to find the best person that can do what they need to do to catapult their company so i think that's the biggest thing contingency they make money when they fill a position so if they can't fill it if they give you 3 to 5 resumes and they can't fill it they're most likely going to move on to the next client. That's not always true. Some are more loyal than others, but I can't blame them because they want to make money and they make money by making placements. So whereas we are retained um, and it's more of a consultancy, it's almost more of an advisory, um, helping them figure out who the right person is. A lot of my clients are 20 years younger than me um, because they haven't really done this before. And so they bring me in because of my I don't know if you would call it gray hair because it's not gray, but um, (laughs) I prevent that from happening, but they do, they, they know what they don't know. And they bring me in to, to help them figure out what's going to be the best option. And so I'm in it for the long haul. I've had people ask me, what happens if you don't fill a position? And my answer is, I don't know, because that's never happened. We, we have, we will figure it out. Not telling you they're all easy. We've had some go on forever and ever and ever. But we figure it out and we get them done so we will always find you the right person a lot of times we have to pivot we have to figure out oh yeah, we're being too stringent on the requirements is the market just not ready for this is there not somebody that can do all of these things we have to figure that out and so that's where the consultancy piece comes in um yeah
0: so yeah in summary i'd say the main difference is um the incentives upon which the the partnership or Yeah,
1: that's a good way to put it. I mean, I've got a friend in contingency, and she said, I'll never be in retained. Because Hmm. if I don't want to finish a search, if this, you know, if the client ends up being a jerk, or whatever, she's like, I want to walk away. And I'm like, "Ah, that's a good point. You know, so um,
0: Yeah, that's an interesting topic. Do y'all when, when you're looking at clients, what does that process look like? Before you take on someone? Is there like, you got to find make sure that it's a culture fit? between the two or what is it usually they come to you or you're coming to them or how, what does that look like for you
1: Absolutely I always um I always joke that people hire us because you know they need our expertise to finding the right talent um, you know they don't have the time to do it themselves they might know how to do it but they don't have the time to do it themselves or nobody wants to work for them and so I try to figure out that third <laughs> tier and avoid those as much as possible. I'm not 100% at avoiding those, but we do try. Um, and that is a- absolutely the truth. I just think there's some companies and some CEOs or people that are running the company, there's just a serious culture issue and there's nobody we're going to be able to find that's going to fit into that. And so um, we are pretty picky about who we work with um, nowadays, especially in that, because we've made a, we've had a few hiccups and it just makes it very challenging. We do find someone. <laughs> um we do we do find someone but it, it it, we try to avoid those quite honestly
0: right now jen i'm curious is there something uh related to your industry that, that keeps you up at night
1: honestly you know the headhunting industry people are like can i call it headhunting they ask me that because they <laughs> very- that's so funny
0: i was going to ask you that very thing like it <laughs> That's so funny. because
1: it has a bad reputation and because there's been so many headhunters over the the decades <clears throat> excuse me the decades that are um not exactly ethical or upstanding citizens and so what keeps me up at night is making sure that we are always choosing the ethical high road and we talk about it as a company what is the right thing to do it may not lead to us making a placement but what is the right thing to do for the client what is the right thing to do for the candidate. And so um we we constantly try to to keep that top of mind um, and I don't think we're going to change the reputation of the whole industry but hopefully <laughs> the reputation that we have is that you know we, we are we're doing what's right when we can is all, all the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And uh yeah, would you is headhunting a PC term or would you say it's just kind of <laughs> kind of uh, Connotation You just, just stick to. You know, I'm an exe- I work at an executive retained search firm. I have always ever... prefer exec-
1: executive retained search, but a lot yeah. of people have no clue what that means. And so i right. was say, you know, headhunter, and they'll go, oh, okay, yeah. Then, they, yeah, then they understand.
0: When I, yeah, when I first got into because I'd never heard of executive retained search, and I was like, wait, is this like headhunting? <laughs> that, that's funny, that's really funny, it's yeah.
1: Funny
0: yeah um thanks thanks for that insight on what like keeps you up and like what's what you're thinking about because i i mean i think that's a very very interesting thing um you know i guess to close it out i mean as we look to the future i mean do you have um you know a vision in mind for what executive routine search will look like or do you think it's on a steady pace to kind of stay where it's at and it's kind of found its rhythm what does that look like for you how do you feel about that i
1: think it's all about technology i mean Headhunting, recruiting, executive search, it's all going to have a human factor. You can't do it without a human factor, in my opinion. But, you know, I do think there is a wide open <laughs> industry in the match process at the beginning. And I know LinkedIn is almost there, but everyone knows they have some issues, in, in my opinion, getting getting to that final and, and why are we not using AI for that? Why are we not doing what Match.com has done for the dating industry, for the recruiting industry? And there may be, I know there's some people that have, have toyed with it, have gotten close to that. Nobody's dominating that market. There's not multiple companies that are dominating. I mean, we do have an AI tool right now that I'm just so excited about because we're going to be able to to do a lot of things that we weren't able to do before. But I think that is definitely the future of recruiting Is it's taking out a big piece of what we're doing and automating that um, in a good way.
0: For those, for those coders out there in Austin, listening, right now, right? it's time to get.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jed, this has been a blast and a pleasure and very, very insightful. I mean, you know, as someone who's not very in tune into, you know, the recruiting space, I've learned an immense amount of stuff. And I'm just grateful for your, your expertise and you taking the time to come on It's been fun. Download the Texas Innovators app on the App Store and Google Play. Like and follow the TXI Facebook page linked in the description to keep up with innovation happening in the great state of Texas. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, innovation never sleeps.